Are we headed for imminent extinction or is it all just a false alarm? Follow me, Mere Mortals, and we will find out within. Welcome, Mere Mortals, to another book review. And today I have for you the book, False Alarm, by Bjorn Lomborg, with the subtitle of How Climate Change Panic Costs Us Trillions, Hurts the Poor, and Fails to Fix the Planet. No holds barred in this. This book was published in 2020, and it's essentially all about climate change and how he is describing what climate change is doing, what we are trying to do to fix it, and how the actions that we're taking right at this moment probably aren't the best way. The book is split into five sections, with the first being about what the title is, fear. How did we get so alarmed by this? Why are we getting it so wrong? The second is talking about the truth about climate change. So understanding more about what actually is the data saying, the statistics, and this is getting into a little bit of a tricky territory here, but his perception at least of what all of the data and the statistics are saying. The third, how we shouldn't fix climate change. So what are the things that are being proposed that are downright wrong, silly, or will actually hurt us more than help? The fourth, how to actually fix climate change. So being very pragmatic and giving some results. And then the fifth section is the conclusion, the acknowledgements, the notes, all of the supplementary data that he uses to explain his theory and why we should be doing X. The book itself is quite full of graphs, tables, notes, different things explaining what the data says. So this looks at the future predictions, such as what level we expect the planet to get to in terms of warming in terms of damage due to hurricanes, flooding, all these sorts of things in terms and putting it in economic terms. So in terms of GDP, then also looking at the past and saying how much has actually been done in the past due to the climate. Is it get actually getting worse or are we just using different methods of comparison, which aren't as showing the full story, I would say. I think it's pertinent to talk a little bit about the author himself, Bjorn Lomborg. So he's a political scientist. He is not an economist, but he does work very tightly with them with some of his ventures, this being the Copenhagen Business School, as well as the think tank he, I believe he helped create, which is known as the Copenhagen Census. He has risen to, I guess, fame or popularity or prominence through uh, a couple of his works, most notably the Skeptical Environmentalist in, I believe that was in 2011, and then also another book called Cool It. And he, he has quite a few different works that are circular, circulating around a blog, those types of things. Onto the themes of the book and alarmism. Fear makes us do stupid things. Gadung. He doesn't really explain why we are so in such a state of alarm, why the media portrays XXX is going on, why it is being shown that this needs to be solved right now or we're all going to die within the next five, 10 years due to flooding. And so it's it's not really a book about the why. And we can all make guess to this. It can be incentives due to people being paid to say certain things. It can be due to the media loving to hype up bad news stories and whatnot. It could be due to bad actors. It could be due to all misinterpretation of data can be due to so, so many different things. Bjorn himself presents this book in a very thoughtful, unemotional, rational, critical way. He is not trying to excite people. This is not a book that is going to get you fired up to really do anything. But it is a book trying to, I suppose, dampen down the emotions, convince us to to switch on the uh, 
the, the part of the brain that's for used for rational, unemotional thinking and really get into the heart of the issue. So the data and statistics he mostly uses are from the UN climate science reports. And I suppose the whole purpose of the book is really just trying to show why the alarmism is not needed, why it doesn't require protesting activations of uh, activists and, and all sorts of things going on right now, right now. It's, it's more like, hey, we've got time, we can figure this out. It does need work, but we need, to, we need to think about this critically. It really got me thinking at the end, is this going to be a case of mass hysteria? Is this something that we're going to look back in 30, 40 years and say, you know what, this was a problem of sorts, but it got solved through other means and the amount of effort and energy we all put into worrying about this really didn't need to be there. The other theme of the book is climate change and I suppose effectiveness and priority. So the effective things we can do to help it and the ineffective things that are the solutions that are being proposed. So what are some of the don'ts? Well, don't try and fix it individually through small actions for yourself. He's got a kind of hilarious example about how David Attenborough was saying he would unplug his phone charger every evening. That's great, but the end up result of that would be if he just donated four cents to a carbon offset that would solve the same amount of energy that's being replaced so there's a little quote from the book saying uh, on page 91 don't be distracted by the myth that every little helps if everyone does a little we'll achieve only a little now this is a bit of a weird one because i think climate change is in one of those areas where so many people have an active part in it play a part in it that doing a tiny little thing by yourself doesn't really help. You actually need to have these grand solutions to a grand problem. Some of the other things that he says are basically a bad idea are radical policies that we enact right now in the short term to try and get these real long-term benefit payoffs, which economically speaking really don't make sense. And some of the policies themselves actually end up hurting the people who are the most vulnerable. So i.e. the poor. So one of the things you could say is, well, let's just reduce our energy. That'll reduce the amount of carbon being put into the atmosphere. Everything's going to be okay in that regard. Unfortunately, the poor are not only the ones who are putting out the most dirty, destructive, inefficient type, uh, coal burning, wood, dung, and stuff like that, but they're the ones who actually need that energy the most because they will starve, they will freeze to death, they will, etc., etc. So, Unfortunately, a lot of the policies that are being proposed will actually end up hurting poor people rather than making the world better for them to live in. Well, we've established what you shouldn't do. So what should you do? And here's basically three, but there's a couple of extra strategies that we can do. Number one is a carbon tax, pure and simple. And this is trying to use market policies to force people to make smarter decisions. Now, he's not proposing a radical carbon tax for everything, but a small one that can capture the real easy to get gains from, let's just say the thermal plant that's 50 years old and is really inefficient in actually producing energy. Cutting out those things and incentivizing people to to not need them is one way of, of really making a start at least in, in fixing the problem. Another one is adaptation and it's sort of just relying on the fact that a lot of the things that will go wrong probably aren't that big a deal say sea levels rise well yes it's going to cause quite a lot of damage it will replace people but the people will just be replaced uphill or 
we'll come up with adaptation. We'll come up with solutions such as the Netherlands have by building dikes and levees to, to stop the water from overflowing their country. So essentially, it's one of those ones where it's you don't really need a solution right now because you can count on the fact that humans will fix it later. Another one is innovation. So this is investing in R&D, green technologies, trying to get things better. So it's not necessarily saying let's mass produce solar panels right now. It's more, hey, the solar panels and the wind and stuff, it's not really at the point that we need it right now, but let's invest in some technology. Let's invest in nuclear, for example, or in perhaps trying to get fusion or fission or whatever it is going so that we can eliminate this need to rely on fossil fuels. Some of the more out there ones, which he suggests, but is more of just an offhanded real backup is geoengineering. So this would be things like injecting silicon into the atmosphere to help reflect more light, to creating boats to stir up sea waves, water into the air so that more water reflects light and you know, almost trying to recreate an artificial volcano to cover the earth with some sort of substance that will, you know, re reduce the amount of sunlight, algae in the ocean to capture carbon. All these sorts of things, which they're sort of far out zany ideas there, you know, it would require a lot of effort, a lot of work and a lot of breakthroughs to actually make them happen. But potentially this is something that would be worth a tiny little bit of money, but not much. The last one is simply about prosperity as well. And one of the funny things that comes funny and sad that comes out of this book is that the poor are what actually is hurting the planet the most. Poor people just don't have the ability to care about the environment. They are caring about the right here and the right now. Yes, I will burn this wood or this dung. I will do whatever I have to to survive. Whereas if we increase their prosperity, if we make everyone in the world a bit richer, that's when it gets to the point where it's like, hey, I don't have to worry about food tomorrow. I can worry about what the environment will look like in 10 years time for my child, in 100 years time for my great-great-grandchildren, things like that. My own personal observations, well, it's a very touchy emotional subject, climate science, climate change. And although the book title is, is quite uh, affronting in a way, I think what is actually contained in the book is, is quite bland he doesn't go on the attack he doesn't blame people for for whatever for this and that for you're making the bad decision you're making the world worse no he's really just trying to present in a most data-driven way as possible and economically sp speaking these are where our priorities should be and this is how we should go about it and i've actually found that quite refreshing on a subject that is quite divisive i've also recently read one of beyond's other books which is cool it and I would have to say that this book here, False Alarm, is much, much better. He presents his arguments in a much cleaner, con concise way. In the other one, he had graphs, he had data, he had all these different things. But visually speaking, this book is far superior. And also the method, the, the structure of the arguments of one flowing section flowing to the other just made a lot more sense. The other one did have a bit more of an attack type theme to it as well, because he was talking a lot about... Al Gore and the Inconvenient Truth, which was what he was sort of writing this that book in response to. Whereas this one is more of a, I suppose, like a gentle way of saying like, hey, people, like a false alarm. It's we're, we're getting a bit too hyped up about this issue. We need to calm down. 
Juan and I also had a recent discussion on the Mere Mortals podcast about not only this book, but also a conversation between Jordan Peterson and Bjorn Lomborg. And he, Juan made some good points with reference to maybe some of the strategies, some, some of the things that Bjorn is not really thinking about. So such as being very economical about a person's life equals another person's life and not particularly caring about some of the hard to measure, hard to capture externalities such as the happy, overall happiness of wealth inequality, of the value of fish life and animals. So in summary, I'm a fan of Bjorn, I'm a fan of this book, and I'm a fan of moderate action in non-emergency situations, of taking off the gas, of saying, hey, we don't need to act on this right now, let's think about it, let's be very clear, let's be concise, and let's use rational rational manners of of trying to figure out what the best thing to do is he presents his data in very clear understandable ways using economic principles which are pretty basic and then also being able to show what not only the costs that are associated with climate change but what strategies are the best strategies to to mitigate this and that won't end up costing us more in the long run so He's very uh, moderate in that sense, and I, I really in, enjoyed and thought, yeah, this is probably roughly the way to go that we, we should go down when, when trying to fix and think about climate change. So overall, I'm giving the book False Alarm by Bjorn Lomborg an 8 out of 10. Very solid. So, mere mortals, we've come to the end of another book review, and I want to thank you for joining me this far. If you'd like to hear more book reviews, hit the follow button on whatever platform it is you're listening on, or if you want to interact with us, come to our Instagram at mere mortals podcast. Other than that, I hope you're having a fantastic day wherever you are in the world. Kyron out.